This is Live Well Talk on Genetic Testing. I'm Dr. Dustin Arnold, Chief Medical Officer at United Point Health St. Luke's Hospital. There are many risk factors that can cause cancer. Some we can control, such as diet and exercise, but other factors, genetics for example, are out of our control. However, there are resources available to individuals with a family history of cancer to help them understand and minimize the risk. Our guest today is Julie Thompson, a genetic nurse practitioner with the Helen G. Nassif Community Cancer Center. Thanks so much for stopping by. You're welcome. Well, Julie, this is this is an interesting topic. Uh, this is the future of medicine with the mapping of the human genome in the early mid '90s, I think, somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. So that that opened that was the prologue to what is to follow uh, genetic testing from an Orwellian standpoint. Some people are fearful of it. That's right? true. You know? Yes, they are. Um, and can can a pre-existing condition pre-exist prior to it being a condition? You know, that, that right. That, and that's a legitimate concern. It is. I've often said, you know, if you were tested for dementia and you had the genetic makeups, let's say, mm-hmm. you know, then the first time you couldn't find your keys, you'd be like, okay, here it starts. It's yep. starting. Yep. yep. Panic. Here, here it is. Here it is. Here's what's going to now. So uh, start off, but what, what does it take to be a genetic nurse practitioner? So there are many different ways actually for a person to become a genetics professional. And there are, um, the first one that's most common is actually a genetic counselor. And those are individuals who actually have a master's degree in genetic counseling. Unfortunately, those people are few and far between. There aren't very many uh, institutions out there right now who have degrees in genetic counseling, but we're working on that. Other professionals that do genetic counseling are people like me who are nurse practitioners. And typically what we've done is go through programs that give us additional certification and training specifically for genetic counseling. What I did was go through the City of Hope which is a cancer research hospital in Los Angeles. And they have a program that takes nurses, physicians assistants, MDs, and nurse practitioners through their program that gives us the ability and the training then to do the genetic counseling and testing. Here in the state of Iowa, how many certified, if you will, uh, mm-hmm. or credentialed uh, genetic counselors slash practitioners we have? Not near enough, unfortunately. I believe there is one individual in Des Moines. There is one individual in Mason City. Uh, there are three of us here, actually, in Cedar Rapids, and then the University of Iowa. So and, we're spread pretty thin. Right. And two of those three are with the Helen G. Nassif Community Cancer Center, correct? Correct. My partner, Shanna Coker, who's also a nurse practitioner, she sees patients primarily at our affiliate in Dubuque and Fort Dodge. And then I see most of the patients that come through the Cedar Rapids office. What's an average day? Take me through an average day of a... So an average day, I will see probably three patients, which to most providers sounds fabulous, but our visits typically last about an hour and a half. And then there's prep for each of those visits. We'll also have maybe uh, three or four test results that we're either talking to people on the phone or we're actually bringing them in for test results. Is health literacy a challenge? Yes, it is. Genetics is a tough kind of cookie to crack, I think. I mean, this is um, this is difficult things for, for almost anybody to understand. And so we really do need to try and tailor our teaching to whatever educational level that we're seeing with our patients. And not only that, but, you know, a lot of times if we're seeing a patient who's just been diagnosed with cancer, they're overwhelmed and they're getting so much information thrown at them so that we need to be very careful with 
with how we're presenting our information to them so that it's easy to understand and yet they can see how important the information is. Why don't you walk us through how genetic profiling uh, that's probably not a, that's a positive okay. term, but genetic <laughs> testing uh, plays a role in cancer therapy. Okay, in the therapy part, it, sure. It, because it, it seems like we've went from we went for where we're going to have certain drugs targeted for certain cancers, correct? And we blew right by that, and now we're at certain drugs for certain people with certain cancers will be used. And right. It's really individualized down to the person, not necessarily the cancer anymore. And that's fascinating. It's, yes. It's just, I can't express enough how much this has changed. I've been doing this for probably 12, 12 years now. And when I first started out, we were looking at maybe three or four different genes. Today, we can look at well over 100 when we do testing. So that, and that's just in the world of cancer. So that's how much things are changing. It's fast. But at the beginning, we were looking at ways that maybe not necessarily would help the patient so much as would help their family to know if they were at increased risk. But now definitely we are looking at ways to target those therapies based on the genetics of the tumor itself. So there are just so many ways that that, um, treating cancer is open up because of genetics. So it makes it it makes it very important for anyone who's had a cancer diagnosis to think about doing genetic testing. Yeah, I can remember in my 23 years of practice that where I've had an individual that perhaps was late in life mm-hmm. had colon cancer is one that comes to mind, uh, where it was fairly certain they had a cancer. They chose, well, I don't want to do anything about it. Don't sure. put me through anything. I've, I've lived a long life and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm comfortable with that. But I would, I don't know if talk them into, but lead them to say, well, but if we do a procedure and a biopsy, you can tell your family. Right. And then they can understand that they're at risk. So I, I can see where genetics is going to replace that. So where we, we can say, well, I think dad has colon cancer. Mm-hmm. Let's get you the family tested or, or, or uh, profiled yep. uh, from that standpoint, yes. so, which is, that's fascinating. Yeah. And I think it's also important to to note that certainly when I started out, the focus was breast cancer and with maybe looking at ovarian cancer as well and a little bit of colon on the side. And a lot of people still think that that's, you know, when you think hereditary cancers, those are the go-to. But honestly, almost every cancer may have a hereditary component to it. So we are definitely seeing a patient with almost every type of cancer to do genetic testing. That's fascinating. Are there patients that present with cancer? Mm-hmm. They're tested and they're told there's your genetic profile, there's nothing we can do for that. Or is is that is it always helpful to have it done where it complements the care they're going to receive? It may not be always helpful for them specifically, but it's always helpful for the family. Okay. That's whether it confirms or discounts or is a genetic Correct. role. Correct. Yes. Yes. Well, I, I warned you ahead of time that we would get to this, and you and I have had this conversation before. Okay. Uh, the 23andMe, Ancestry.com. <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, I know you get those calls. We do. Uh, and I know we you do. get a lot of them. Yes. Walk us through your opinion on that. Um, <laughs> 
I have a little bit of a jaded opinion about sure. that. I'll say that. And, and honestly, uh, at a large conference that my partner Shannon and I went to back in March, that was a whole that was a whole subject of conversation. And the reality is, is that 23andMe, Ancestry.com, Nat Geo, they are offering this testing and it's not going to go away. So we need to understand what those tests are doing so that we can help our patients. What I tell patients is we believe those tests are great for an entertainment value, we'll say. And I don't I don't mean to belittle that because I think finding out one's ancestry is fabulous and I'd be curious about curious about that as well. But the health side of things most mostly with 23andMe. Um, the issues that we have most with it is that, first of all, there's no counseling ahead of doing the testing. And that's a big part of what we do before we test anyone. That's why our appointments are so long, is that we are really talking to these patients to see why are you wanting this testing done what are you what are you hoping to gain from this if if the answer is a then have you thought about what you would do with that answer if the answer is b oh my gosh are you going to run and hide from the world so that's not there with these what we call the direct consumer testing and there is also no then counseling on the what we call the backside so when those patients or when those individuals receive those test results you know they you know get this 25 page printout of something that's that's honestly very difficult to understand and they're unsure of what to do with it so we may have somebody who who receives a test result that says you know here is you are at an increased risk for for this disease and this disease and they panic uh, then we may get a person who says nope you have no risk at all don't worry about it and so they decide that well I don't ever have to have a colonoscopy or, or a mammogram because my 23andMe said that I'm not at risk when, when in when reality that's not true. And another I think very important thing is that there was a study that was done I believe it was two years ago now by one of the top uh, legitimate genetic labs do in the country and they took a hundred individuals from people like 23andMe who had had testing done. So these people had had testing done and they had received a result that said, you have an increased risk for cancer. You have a genetic mutation. And this uh, lab, legitimate lab, they took those people and retested them again for free. And they had a 40% false positive rate. That and doesn't surprise me. Yeah, me either. But that's a very scary, that's yeah, a very yeah. scary thing. So yeah. certainly if somebody comes to me with a test result from one of those direct consumer companies, what I really counsel people to do is we need to retest you. We need to retest you with a medical grade lab that we know is looking correctly at these results. That is, you know, I, I've always said that there's two relationships that you have with patients. In some patients, you demonstrate both those relationships. One of them, some patients, it's one or the other. And that's either you're paternal <laughs> as a parent sure. or you're fraternal as a sibling, you know. And so you yes. partner with them. And, you know, sometimes you're paternal. You just tell a patient no. Right. And the patient goes, okay. Okay. But there's yeah. other times you have to be fraternal. And this sounds like a fraternal situation def- where you want to partner def- with the patient. Yes. Be transparent, teach the patient, learn learn yourself as you go through it. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I one of the things I say from the onset with an initial visit is that I am here to teach you about hereditary cancer syndromes and genetic testing. But it is absolutely your decision 
whether to go forward with the testing. So I can I can look at your family tree and tell you, you know, I think it is very reasonable for your family to consider genetic testing, and this is why I think that. But in the end, it is their decision because ab- absolutely people, especially even within a family, have very different opinions about genetic testing and what they want to know and what they don't want to know. And that's okay. I can imagine there'd be some patients yeah. that I, I, I just simply don't want to know. Right. Yep. You know, yeah. That, that, that does make sense. Mm-hmm. It's a fascinating subject. And I have to wonder when uh, Maya youngest daughter watches Criminal Minds all the time. So so I'm familiar with that show. I'm not familiar with so much with the other CSI uh-huh. and all that. So when they're just going after DNA all the time, how accurate is that? Uh, you know, I, I guess it's probably pretty accurate. I don't know. I, I mean, don't, do you watch those shows and I go, don't. that is not how it works? <laughs> I honestly am one of those people that if it's a medical show, I usually don't watch it because I'm like, oh gosh, really? That's not real life. That's not how it goes. I, but, I'm just the opposite. I'm the one that sits in the <laughs> And critiques in the man cave and yells at the TV. Yeah, yeah, well, that could be fun. You know, yeah. uh, yeah. Where they, like House, they'll get the brain biopsy prior to the CBC. Right. Like, that is not how that <laughs> nope, works. Nope, you know? nope. Uh, no, no, what, no. What, what, one last question. Sure. Uh, what, what, what got you interested in genetic counseling? That is not something, I'm sure we're going to have someone maybe even listening to this podcast that's going to grow up saying, I want to be a genetic counselor when I grow up. <laughs> right. Please do. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, but what, what, what got you interested? Because you're so, kind of at the cutting edge or the, the prime, the bleeding edge, as we say in medicine, of this. Sure. Of this so I, I, when I, you know, was, I got my nurse practitioner back in 99. And honestly, I wasn't even aware that anything like this existed at the time. And um, back in 2007, I think it was, uh, St. Luke's was thinking about, along with building their cancer center, about having a genetic testing program. And at the time I was working in a clinic and my actual initial certification is women's health. And so they were looking for a nurse practitioner because again, it was mostly the focus was on breast cancer and ovarian cancer. So they were looking with someone for someone who had a women's health background. And so they kind of tapped me and said, hey, would you be interested? And I was like, well, that sounds awesome. Sure. I'll I'll give that a go. And then went through the City of Hope program That's, to do that. that so that yeah, I've definitely learned from the ground up. Definitely. Yeah, this is yeah. this is fascinating. Uh, I, I always enjoyed genetics in undergrad and mm-hmm. medical school, and uh, this plays into it. It's dynamic, though. I, I, oh, so my gosh, I, yes. I think yes. I'm caught up on it, and then something else comes out. I'm like, well, where did oh, this come from? I'm you know? not caught up on it, yeah, and I yeah, do it every yeah, day. Yeah. Yes. Well, that's, I feel yes. reassured then. I shouldn't <laughs> Yes, don't feel bad. But no, it is... It is um, there's a huge shortage of genetics professionals in the country right now. So anyone listening who loves science and genetics, please look into it. That'd be great. I'd love to retire someday. Yeah. We, well, we <laughs> and love maybe that. not yeah. if I can't find somebody we to We want to keep replace. you around. <laughs> This is really great information, and thank you so much for taking the time to meet with us. Oh, you're welcome. Uh, Again, this was Julie Thompson, a genetic nurse practitioner at the Helen G. Nassif Community Cancer Center. To see if genetic testing may be right uh, for you, uh, take the genetic testing questionnaire on the Community Cancer Center's website, which is communitycancercenter.org backslash genetics. If you have a topic or you'd like to suggest for a talk on podcast, shoot us an email at stlukescr at unipoint.org. And we encourage you to tell your family, friends, neighbors about our podcast. Until next time, be well. 